share a, a message with you as we continue on in, in uh, finishing up with the book of Ephesians. We've been working through Ephesians uh, for several months now, and uh, I've entitled this message, the, the Fight of Your Life. The Fight of Your Life. We, uh, we are not uh, fighting every single day, but there is a fight of our life, and we are to do something because there are days... Have you realized that there's days that are, that are more evil than other days? You can't kind of feel it. You know, you wake up in the morning and go, this is not going to be one of those days that's going to be a, a good one. And uh, very seldom does, does the evil day ever take us by surprise. We kind of sense that something's coming. There's an agitation in our spirit. There's just something that's just unsettling inside of us, and that's the evil day that's coming. And the scriptures are, are clear about what we should do when that evil day comes. So follow along with me. I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard Bible in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, beginning with verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle or wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, Having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the firing or flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert. With all perseverance and petition, or that means intercession, for all the saints. And then he says, and pray for me. I think all of us uh, love to hear the word finally, especially when the preacher says it. <laughs> that means we get to go home and watch the ball game. That means we're closing, we're coming to, we're coming to an end. This, this period is over. And Paul has written to the Ephesians and to us about all the wonderful blessings that we have in God, the salvation that comes to us through Christ, the, the, we're by his blood, the, the, the joy of the Holy Spirit that fills our hearts, the, the power of, of God that's at work in us. We, we receive all those things. And he tells us in chapter 2 about all the, the, uh, how we're saved by grace, through faith, not of, of works. We don't, we, just, we don't keep trying to get saved. We are saved through what Christ has done, just through faith in what he has done. That's, a, that's an amazing promise. He seals us with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm, I'm God's workmanship, he said. I love that in Ephesians 2.10. He said, you're God's workmanship. Look at the person next to you and say, he's doing fine work. He is. He's done some great work in you. He's done great work in you. You're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, for a different kind of work that you had before. Not a work for salvation, but because of Christ in us, we do good stuff. We do good works. We are no longer self-centered like we used to be, right? 
We don't take selfies anymore. We take UEs. I'm just, new word, UE. I have a, you remember Nettie uh, Eberly? I'll call her and I'll say, is this you? And uh, she knows what I mean by that because I spell her U, E-W-E. She's, I'm a shepherd, so she's a U. Uh, never mind. He's a... <laughs> he says to us that we're supposed to walk in a different way. Remember, we walk funny. Remember that message? We walk different from the way we used to walk. And that my new life is made visible in the way that I submit myself to others. I, I sing songs of spiritual songs and hymns and, and making melody in my heart, singing to one another and, and submitting my life to each other. I, I submit to you and you submit to me. And, and then he goes on to how that submission works in the, in the, within the family home. And that was last week about the marriage and, and how Lois and I and, and all of us that are married, we submit ourselves to each other. And so we're not wrestling for dominance and who's on top and who's, on, who's in charge. We're, we're, we're created, we're not created equal and that we, that God loves our differences and we can celebrate our differences and, and it's okay to be different. It's okay to be different, but we still submit ourselves to each other and it works really well if we do marriage God's way. It's kind of, that's the kind of the proving ground. Now we didn't, you know, this week I could have went to uh, the family and, uh, and, and jobs and, and fathers don't provoke your children to wrath. That's what he goes on next. And, and uh, you know, make sure that the, the children that you grow up respecting your father and mother, especially respecting your mother because it says you'll live long if you do that. And that's the truth. And uh, you'll live longer by respecting your mother. Amen. And, uh, and then he goes on. He's... he's then he comes to this, finally. Finally. A reminder that my new life is not without conflict. And one of my favorite hymns is, I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden. And uh, we don't sing that old hymn like we used to anymore. I don't know. Those old hymns are just sort of, you know, we don't do those anymore. But God never promised us a rose garden. He said there's going to be a, a battle. When you enter into the kingdom of God, Something changes. Um, I'm, I'm seeing things differently. I'm seeing a, a whole different realm as I, as I try to walk out this new life that I have in Christ Jesus. It's not without a, a conflict. In fact, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword that oftentimes people will be in opposition to you. And yet Paul is saying to us that you're not wrestling against the person. This is where we make the mistake often in, in, in our relationships with people. We think that it's that evil person that I need to get rid of. And yeah, there's some evil people in the world. No doubt about it. Uh, there's just some bad people in the world. And they need to be locked up. <laughs> they need to be somewhere. You know what I'm saying? But but that's really not the wrestling part because their minds have been blinded. Their eyes have been blinded. They are in the power of, a, of an evil being. They are in the power of the demonic realm. There's only two kingdoms, God's kingdom and the devil's kingdom. You have to be in either one or the other. There is no evil. There is no uh, middle ground. You are in one or you are in the other. 
Now, you can be a really nice person and still be in the kingdom of darkness. You can be a, 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 a pain in the fanny and be in this kingdom of light sometimes. And hopefully, God straightens us out. But you, can, you, can't be in two, you can't be in middle ground. You have to be on area of this ground or that ground. And whenever you go from Satan's kingdom, Satan's realm, into God's kingdom, the devil hates you with a passion. And the reason is because he hates the one who created you. You are created in God's image. And now because of what Christ did, his death, burial, and resurrection, you enter into that new life. You enter into being like Jesus. So wherever you go now, you are a little Jesus. I'm bringing a little bit of Jesus into my world. And that is going to be in conflict with what the devil wants to do with this world. Jesus said about him, the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy, but I've come that you have life. The devil cannot give life. He can steal, he can kill, and he can destroy, but he cannot give life. That's why you need Jesus. That's why, that's why it's so important that we get the message out, the gospel, the good news is that they need Jesus Christ because without Jesus, they're lost. There is no, there is no life. There's no life hereafter without Jesus, and there's no true life in our, in our lives today without Christ. We all know that. Those of us that have been there and done that, those of us that have been down that wrong road, manipulated and minds twisted by the God, the principality of this, this world. And, and then Jesus comes along and just suddenly you're at peace with God, but you will never be at peace with the devil. And sometimes the problem is, is that many Christians struggle with believing that there is a devil. And so I want to just take a few moments and look at a, just several passages. In the, in the NASB, there's 34 times it mentions the word devil, and, and that's not including the, uh, Satan is another one, and um, uh, Abaddon and Apollyon, and, and, and different names that are in there about who this character is. Now, he's not omnipresent, but he has a hierarchy of, uh, uh, of minions, and they're not those cute little minions that you've seen on the TV or the movie, these are, these are demonic, literally demonic entities that are in this world, and they are manipulating things. They're unseen, but they are manipulating things. Now, don't get spooked by that. And see, that's what happens, because we don't do a reality check. We, we know about these things, but we, but we just sort of put that over in the space. Well, that must, that must be for those those places overseas, surely there isn't any demonic activity here. Did you watch the Democratic re debates lately? <laughs> or even Republican debates. There is things that are going on. Uh, you know, the devil just loves it when when I've heard God's people say, now there's a church, there's a separation between church and state. And the devil's going, yeah, I got them. They bought into that lie. Because he's in the state. 
He's also in the church. He's not everywhere at the same time, but his, his hierarchy, this, uh, uh, this principality of the airwaves, <laughs> news media, is in all of that. Because we don't see it quite the same way. I talked with uh, A.B. Kemmel this week. We, he came over to our house. We spent a couple hours together. It was wonderful. And he was talking about all the persecution that was going on in India and in Nepal. And people were being killed. I mean, they're being hacked up with machetes. And, and it was just horrific stories of things that are going on. And yet in the midst of that, God is... There's a revival that's taking place, and there are churches that are being planted in places where there's, they've never even heard the gospel before. And he's rescuing young girls that are in the uh, trafficking um, and finding a place for them. And, and uh, uh, you know, there's, there's just work that's going on there. And he said that when he comes to America, you don't have that so much. I said, yes, A.B., but we have something even worse. We don't have persecution here to that degree, but we have something worse. We have an airwave that has played a tune that have left us asleep. We don't even acknowledge that there is any spiritual battles or spiritual warfares. We're so caught up with taking pictures of children at the border inside of cages, if that's true. But I want to ask, where's the news guy and where's the politician that goes to the, behind the dumpsters and in the dumpsters of the, of the um, abortion clinics and takes pictures of the aborted babies and the, parts, and the parts that are being sold? And we're saving trees and we're saving bugs and we're saving this and we're saving that, but we're, saving, we're not saving children. It's just a, there's a money issue behind all that. We don't focus on the real issues. He's lulled us to sleep into, into chasing after scoreboards. Now, I don't know if any of you wrestle with any of those things, but I wrestle with that because I go, what in the world can I do about that? We have a lot of things that we can pray about, don't we? Main point is I want to get across here this morning is that there is a real devil. The devil, cursed be he, he is very real. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was tempted by the devil. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And you and I are tempted by the devil. That's why we pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation, Right? Deliver me from evil. Jesus tells a story about a, a Satan sowing a, a seed into the field. That says to me that he comes to church sometimes. And he said, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom. And the tares are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. So he comes in and is there tares amongst the wheat? Absolutely. There always will be tares amongst the wheat. Now, here's what I want to say to you. It's not our job and my job as a pastor or anybody's job in here to figure out who the tear is. Because later on in that story, the 
workers in the field said, shall we go in and rip up the tares? And he said, no. If you start ripping up the tares, you're going to wreck a lot of wheat. Because here's the thing about tares and wheat. At that point in time, you can't tell them apart because they look so much alike. The enemy sows tares amongst the wheat, and, and he always has. Every church we've ever been in, there's tares in the wheat. And, you know, sometimes the, the tares become more obvious <laughs> where they start, where they're supposed to be producing fruit but never produce any. How about that? We're lulled to sleep in, in our world. And churches are lulled to sleep, not dealing with the things that are really going on. Workers in the harvest field are few. They were a few then. They're few now. We're, we're asleep. We don't believe. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus talks about another parable, the seed of the, being sown. He said, the seed of, is the word of God. Then beside the road are those who have heard, and the devil comes along. And he takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. If you share the gospel with people, you can just see it. You sow that seed, and that's our job is to just keep sowing seed. We're not responsible for the harvest. But other than discipleship, we are for that. But, but as far as we sow the seed out there, but you can tell when you're sowing seed and just, man, it's just people are just angry at seed sowers. And the devil is responsible for that. He steals that word of God right out of their heart. And it saddens me as a Christian leader to see the seed that was once there and maybe even taking root, and suddenly it's destroyed. And that person that was heading in the right direction into a new kingdom and heading with God suddenly is heading the other way. And that's the work of the enemy. The devil has done that. In Ephesians 2, and we read this here a couple of months or so ago, and you who were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked, formally walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's what he says there. Of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Well, who is that? That's Satan. That's the devil. First Peter 5, 8, he tells us that we're, he's an adversary. And he's, Peter says, be sober of spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Well, that's a picture, isn't it? He's looking to gobble you up. And then he goes on and says this, but resist him. Firm in your faith. Resist him. Firm in your faith. What I really believe shows up when the devil shows up. What I really believe, what my faith is in, is revealed when the devil shows up. When he either tempts me to go the wrong way, a way that God's not leading me, or when he just shows up and tries to condemn and judge and accuse and all the things that he does. And he's so good at it. Most of God's people still don't know their identity in Christ. And the, and the enemy continues to come along and wreck them. They go on cycle like a roller coaster ride. 
They're up really high at church. And then after church is over, on he doesn't even wait till Friday for the test. Monday morning it comes. Boom. Boom. Something happens. And they're mad, and they're irritated, and they're frustrated. Their faith is no longer in, in God. Faith is no longer the foundation in which they're standing. They're not resisting the devil strong in their faith because their faith is like a ride. goes up and down. I'm strong in the Lord whenever the thing's going my way, but what happens when it's not? Submit, therefore, to God, resist him, and he will flee from you. That's what James 4, 7 says. So there's a key here of doing this battle and just standing still. And I want to say to you that standing still is the toughest part. For me, it's, it's really tough. Um, I love shooting prairie dogs. I like shooting almost everything. But uh, prairie dogs especially. And, uh, and unfortunately, we live in a place where there are prairie dogs. So if I was going to go pasture someplace, I'd have to have prairie dogs. You bring prairie dogs in, I'm your guy. Okay, so we would go prairie dog hunting, and, um, and my friend, you know, I, made, I, I reload my own bullets because it gets really expensive because I shoot a lot of bullets at prairie dogs. In fact, when my friends and I go out prairie dog hunting, and, and they're always laughing at me because they, they shoot occasionally when they see the dog. And whenever I see a dog, I'm going, I'm going to shoot 10 rounds into that one dog. I want to make sure that dog is dead. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I go, through a, I go through a lot of bullets. And uh, <laughs> we have to, where was I going with that? <laughs> you know, it was really good in my thought that I had. It was really a good illustration. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to move on. Well, standing your ground is, well, that's what I was going to tell you. Standing your ground is, is, is a little bit more difficult because you want to go out there and blast away at the enemy. You want to, you want to just go out there and, and, and get rid of him. And sometimes he just doesn't go away that easy. That's what that evil day is. And that's when God is saying in, through Paul, the apostle, to stand, stand your ground. Submit to God, but stand your ground. Hold steady. That's what my... I had a mentor, a friend, a pastor, mentor of mine early on in my spiritual life, and I needed him so much because I would, I would not hold steady. I was, I, was, I was this way, and then I was this way, and I was just back and forth, and he, and, and he, was, uh, he would pray for me, and he'd just say, you, you know, hold steady, John. Just, just hold steady. If you don't have an answer for something, you just hold steady. And, and you know, your board is, the board here is just awesome men and women of God. And that's what I like about them is that they're just going to hold steady. They're not going to get in a hurry. So don't pressure them into, when are you going to get a pastor? When are you going to, they're just going to hold steady because it's got to be the right timing. It's got to be the right person. So that's really critical. It's really important. How many times have you gotten into trouble because you didn't hold steady? You just jumped way out ahead of God. <laughs> and you went, oh man, why did I do that? All right, so 2 Corinthians 2.10 says this. 
But, but the one whom you forgive in anything, I forgive also. For indeed, what I have forgiven, I have forgiven. If I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant. We are not ignorant of his schemes. Now, when you're standing firm and you're submitting yourself to God, look at what God is saying, and he's revealing Satan's scheme to you. And the one scheme... This is a, kind of a tough passage to unpack. But basically, what's happening here is that the, the enemy's scheme is to get you to keep accusing each other and not forgiving each other. The enemy wants to blame somebody. And he uses people to get into that game of blame. We blame somebody for something, and we won't let it go, and it turns into unforgiveness, and it turns into bitterness, and it wrecks you. That's the major scheme of the enemy, your adversary. He is the accuser of the brethren. He is the accuser of people. He will, remember what Adam did, right? He blamed his wife for the problem. Well, did that work? No. Nope. That's why we have mosquitoes and pull weeds because of Adam. You're going to work and you're going to, you're going to continue to till that field. And you're going to sweat while you're doing it because you tried to blame her instead of taking full responsibility for what's going on in your life. And she did the same thing when she said, well, the devil made me do it, honey. And so we're in this, this blame game. So there's an accuser that comes along and we just fall into that trap. Whenever I'm having a problem with something, whether it's a, it's a church problem, and pastors, we do the same thing as everybody else. We're not above that, that, that scheme. Fall into it very easily. We listen to a voice which somebody said, did you know that somebody, da 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 I've had people come to me as a pastor through the years, and they've said, do you know what they're doing if you were really a good pastor, you would correct that. <laughs> That's a trap. Anytime you're sowing a seed of doubt in somebody's mind about who that person is or what they've done that is... Now, you need to have a reality check sometimes, okay? But anytime... I lose a lot of... Um, I lose a lot of respect for people when they come to me or they just, in, in casual speaking, they'll say, yeah, but you know that person? Da, 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 da. It puts a seed of doubt in my mind about who they are. It robs me of believing God's best for them. Because, oh, oh, that's true. And we're so good at it. I'm, I was a, a, a master of that. I, I still have, I mean, I got to watch it. Because I can be very critical of people. And when you're critical of somebody else and you're telling somebody else that criticism, that means you're cutting them down. And we do it. We're pretty sneaky as Christians. We do it 
I want you to pray with me about this person. I know I'm not talking to you. I've been to churches where that's happened. Satan accuses and he won't let go of it. Sometimes standing firm, and that's the hardest thing to do, is to just hold steady. To, to wait, don't leave your post, but, be, but recognize the schemes of the enemy. And that's the number one scheme, is to get you to criticize, to accuse, to not be of any help whatsoever, but your help is, you know, I'm, I'm the prophet. I'm the one that's got to straighten that person out. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't share, speak the truth in love to each other. You know, there's a time for disciplines in our life. There's a time to say things to people. But you can't blame people because it leads to this unforgiveness. And God's people are so filled with unforgiveness. We don't, we don't have the persecution. We don't have people walking in here and cutting us up with machetes and, and throwing rocks through your house and, and bullets and, uh, and, and dragging your children out and beheading them. We don't have that happening here. But we've just got this scheme that destroys people with the words that we speak about them, the things that we say about them. We're really good at it. I sharpen things for a living, but boy, I'll tell you what, that, that's, a, that's, that's sharp when you start cutting somebody with the tongue. Really sharp. All right. Standing ground, again, is, uh, is really difficult I remember when I was in the military, I used to do dumpster guard duty. To me, that was the stupidest thing. Be out there with a, tell her how old I am, I was an M1. I think they're up to 16 now or more. Anyway, guard this dumpster. And God help you. If somebody walked by and you were sleeping, it's a dumpster. There's garbage in here. Guard that. Militaries are, military life is fun, isn't it? I hated guarding the dumpster. But I never fell asleep guarding it either. I think if times when we do guard something, we guard the dumpster, the things that should be taken out in the garbage, and we're guarding that way too much. Why do we guard our own garbage? I'm not going to let that go. <laughs> it's garbage. All right, last, finally. You can resist the devil by arming yourself with God's authority. That's what he's talking about when he says the two things, submit and resist. Submit yourself to God's authority. Revelation 12, 10, and 11 says this, Now the salvation, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He accuses them before our God day and night. There it is, see? He accuses them. And, but, here's what they did. They overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. 
I don't have time to unpack that. But just to say that you have an adversary that's beatable, not by your power or your might. Be strong in the Lord, Paul says, and the power of his might. Be strong. Recognize the schemes of the, of the enemy, absolutely. Know his strategies. It would be stupid if you went into a war and you didn't know what the enemy was doing or their strategy, or you didn't know what their armory was, or you didn't know what their weapons were, or you didn't know how many you were fighting, or you didn't know what, didn't know what the warfare was. That would be crazy. And yet we do it all the time. But we know what we have received from God. That's our faith thing. That's what we stand on. I know in whom I have believed. And you've got to own that. When the enemy comes on that evil day, you've got to know who you believe in. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. The best way to resist the devil is to submit to God. Finally. I, I get three finallys. Okay. So finally, then he says this, and, and this is really a most important part in submitting to God and resisting the enemy. Submit to God by kneeling in prayer. This is what he says. Gets done with all the full armor of God, the full authority of God, breastplate, righteousness, girdle of truth. You can wear a girdle, that's okay. Girdle of truth. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Stand in my ground. They're built for standing ground. Sword of the Spirit, shield of faith, quenching every fiery dart of the enemy. But then he says this, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. Hmm. I'll let you ask God what that might mean. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints and pray for me. He says, pray for me so that whenever I'm sharing the gospel, he goes on to say, so that when I'm sharing the gospel, it'll, it'll have an effect on people. We're not a praying people. I know Bobby went through a list of what we are. And, and yet to some degree we are all those things. But I think we could do a lot better. especially when it comes to our times praying for each other, maybe not being so critical of each other, but praying for each other. Noticing the needs of people when they come in the door. You know, body language tells you a lot about people. We have Sunday smiles that we come in with. We say, hey, I'm doing great. No, you're not. Your body language tells me that you're not. And I understand that. We live in a world, you know, you're, you're here on for what, an hour, maybe three on some Sundays. And I, and I get that. You get 
loaded down with all this stuff. See, that's why it's so important to be a part of the body of Christ. Scripture says that a foolish person separates themselves, arguing with all sound reason. And you come together, you come together and you build a relationship with one another. We have to have times to build relationships with one another. Sunday morning isn't it. That's the main event. That's when John Rogers and his fabulous five will bring us into God's presence and an amazing ability to do that. We enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise, yay. But you got to take Jesus with you when you go. And you got to, it's a dumping ground too. Can this be a dumpster? Where you dump the stuff, dump the stuff. And then don't pick it up again when you're going out the door, dump the stuff. Now Jesus knows what it's like to stand. In Revelation 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. <laughs> if anyone knows, hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him and he with me. You standing at the door of your heart. And Jesus doesn't quit knocking. Aren't you glad? He was knocking on the door of my heart when I watched my dad drive away. I said, I don't need that. I'm mad at my dad. I'll just choose to be angry. If he would have, I would. I was mad at God. And he was knocking at the door of my heart. When he tried to get in when I was a young man, I knew that he called me to be a missionary. And I said, nah, I'm not going to do that. Knocking, knocking, knocking. He was knocking when I decided to go down the path of drugs and alcohol. He was knocking, knocking, knocking. Just kept right on knocking. He kept right on knocking all the way up until the time when all of that life of that old life led me to thinking about ending my life. And that's when I heard the knocking more than ever. you're really up there and you let me know I'll give you the rest of my life boom presence life transformed I didn't I never said a sinner's prayer but that was good enough for him when God shows up you don't have to go through a sinner's prayer When you invite, when you hear him knocking, you open the door. That is the serious prayer. <laughs> and maybe you're here today, and and you hear God knocking, and He wants to heal you. He wants to transform the way that you speak. 
He wants to transform the way that you hear, the things that you hear. He wants your life to be, to be a living testimony of, of truth. They overcame him by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and their testimony. Your testimony. Anytime I've gotten away from God and he's, you know, I'm, you know, I'm still saved, you know, see, we're all caught up in, well, I'm still saved. Yeah, but you stink. You're a saved person that needs some really stronger deodorant than what you've been using. Because there's things of this world that hanging out with the devil and trying to hang out with God at the same time make you stink. And so the Lord comes along with a brand new fragrance. And every time, every time that I've tried to move away or just being stupid, the first thing that Jesus says to me is, John, your testimony stinks. You can't overcome the enemy if your testimony stinks. And I could tell you story after story after story, but I've said finally twice. And so you're anticipating leaving. Maybe we'll save that for another time. Okay, we're going to finish up Ephesians finally. And the next time I'm sharing with you will probably be in, in sometime in October. But I want to move into uh, the end times. And I want to share with you about how, what that means for us as, as God's people. And, and some of the events... Do I know the date? No. Am I going to predict the date when Jesus comes? No. But we can still know about how all that works and things that we can look for. And I think it's important for us to know those things. So that's what I'm going to share with you next time, the Lord willing. If I'm still alive then, that'll, that'll be it, okay? So in the meantime, hold steady. Now, I've asked John to uh, sing a song in closing for us. And I, and I want to just read a little bit. I want to read the words of the song that we're going to be singing. And then as we sing them, I want them, us to own that because this message really talks about ground and talks about standing. This is an old hymn. It's, it's in Christ alone. It says, In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, and my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, Firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are stilled, when strivings cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. <laughs> For I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. Last verse. No guilt in life and no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath. Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man.
can never pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand.